This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm Ross Cochran. You know who you are. Thank you for listening. I recently had the privilege of speaking with Lacey Finn Borgo, and I'm really excited for you to hear part of our conversation today. Lacey serves in a variety of capacities and wrote a book I highly recommend, Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together. We talk a lot about the book and her work with Haven House during the conversation today. At her core, though, Lacey is a spiritual director. And if you want to know more about what spiritual director actually means, keep listening because I bet it's going to sound a lot like the work that happens in your ministry every day. Lacey starts the conversation discussing how she first began working with kids. Thank you for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. I was a elementary school teacher in upstate New York inner city rochester new york and i was green oh i was so new i was so new i thought i knew what i was doing that's how new i was and fresh out of my master's degree teaching kids and uh, i write a little bit about this story in the book about christopher and um he was he was uninvited to eat lunch in the cafeteria due to some behavioral things. So he ate lunch with me every day for a year. And in it, I heard this depth within him. I heard about goodness and beauty. I heard about his sorrows and his own brokenness. And I really had no words to offer him. Like <laughs> I was too tired and much too um, inexperienced at that point to have anything to say. But I just noticed, one, the depth in Christopher, and two, the power of having someone listen to him, mm. how it changed it changed how he was uh, in school. I love that. I love that it all came, I loved the story in the book, but I love that it, mm. the answer to that question for you is just starts with a kid, because I think folks might hear um, mm. you know, you, your master's degree or things that are about your story that they may, mm. may feel that they can't relate to. But odds are anyone who's taking the time to listen to us talk probably has a kid in their life like Christopher. And it's helped shape <laughs> uh, who they are. Mm, mm. And it's amazing how God will speak to us and offer us those invitations through the children in our lives. A hundred percent. So I want to, mm. I'm glad we started there, but I want to kind of zoom things out to mm. more, um, a conversation around your work generally, you know, so I, mm. I am mindful of the ways in mm. which a phrase like spiritual formation or spiritual direction is a kind of thing that becomes mm. really popular in the zeitgeist, mm. for lack of a better term. Mm. And then I think as right. a result begins to lose some of its meaning. So I want to be sure. really clear with folks about what it is mm-hmm. that you do and, you know, where is it? Is it biblical, spiritual, like what does that actually look like? Because I want folks to understand that this is not um, quite as new agey as it may seem to some individuals. Mm. Mm. Sure. So I am a spiritual director. And what that means generally is I accompany people in their life with God. And I help them hear themselves. I help them to hear God and God's invitation to them. 
And I do that with children at a facility for home for families that don't have homes. So I've been meeting with children and I, I meet with them one with one and um, we hold their life with God in the center of everything we do. And I'm someone who accompanies them. So they get to talk with me about where they have seen God, where God has, how and in what ways God has been speaking to them. Um, they talk with me about um, uh, maybe questions that they have. And I invite them. I don't answer those questions. So to be, that's, that's where um, the difference between, say, a teacher and a spiritual director is I'm not, I'm not interested in answering those questions. Um, there's lots of reasons around that, but as a spiritual director, instead in that moment, I give the child the opportunity to encounter God mm. and ask God the question themselves. Mm. I love that. Well, and I want to, I want to get into that exact thing specifically, mm. because mm. I think one of the things that stood out to me in the book, um, mm. which I, you know, I will link in the show notes, and I would love for people who are listening to us talk to get the book. Actually, they should get two copies because you might lose, you might lose one. Um, <laughs> but the what is so clear to me about the stories you profile in the book is the patience required for spiritual direction. And when mm. I first read it, I go, "Oh man, I don't know if I have that kind of patience for." anybody but my own kids. And frankly, I don't think I have it for my own kids enough of the time. Right. Mm, mm. But I would imagine mm. that someone like you's response to, to that would actually would be something like, no, actually you do because you do that with adults. Mm, I'm incredibly mm. patient with my adults, friends, spiritual questions or things that they're working through. You know, I know what it looks like to have a listening posture, but can you speak to the ways in which almost societally or uh, big uh, external factors make this work of adults being a spiritual director for child for children such a challenge for folks. Yeah, I I think, and I I hope this doesn't sound however it sounds, but I think it has to do with our ignorance. Okay, like as adults, we have lost touch with how our own childhood faith grew and developed, mm. so we lose patience because we simply don't know. Hmm. Um, I, I, I think I use this quote in the book, but it's a George McDonald quote, and it's just absolutely delicious. Can I, can I share please, it? Please, please. Okay. It says, George McDonald says, a parent must respect the spiritual person of his or her child and approach it with reverence for that too looks the father in the face and has an audience with him into which no earthly parent can enter, even he dared to desire it. Mm. Isn't that terrific and oh, so great. true? Yeah. That, and I think that gets at the heart of where our impatience is. We only get a glimpse of what's happening. And so we try to rush or pressure or push. And, and I think, and I, and I will say over the years, and I, I have two children as well. So, and they are in there, they're moving into adulthood. One has got both feet there and the other one is running as quickly as she can <laughs> in that direction. Sure. And one, one of the, one of the invitations from God in my own patience is trust. Mm. 
Do I trust the spirit with the part of my child's life with God that I cannot see? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think at first folks have to admit that the answer far too often is no. And then also that, uh, I heard this quote from, and I'm going to not do as good of a job uh, interpreting as you just did with the quote that mattered to you, but uh, from Dr. Denise Kiesbo, where she re- she basically made this comparison that folk that there's this sort of uh, subconscious belief that kids have a junior version of the Holy Spirit, and that's a dangerously unbiblical idea. Right. So when you are coming into a session or whatever the right way is to uh, categorize Mm -hmm. that your relationship with these kids, particularly kids of who are, who are in the kind of vulnerable position that you are most uh, often serving. Do you find that there are any sort of commonalities, any sort of things that are specific to the, essentially the people group you serve with kids? Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, Because I think that would help folks begin to understand how they can adapt this to their context. Mm. Well, I would say this is true for children, for every child, that they come with longing, Mm. that every child is wired to long for God. It's already there. I mean, their their longing was birthed from God's longing for them. So, so many times with adults, um, and I, I did some uh, missions work when I was younger in Kazakhstan, and so much work with adults was sort of trying to get this desire stirred up or find where the desire is. Oh, all of that, you don't even have to do with children. Yeah. Their longing for God is already there. They don't have the baggage. Hmm. Yeah. Just, just the passion that you have for the people that you serve is I think what resonates mm. the most with people who take the time to listen to this, right? Like folks may not ever mm. consider what they do with the kids in their community every week as spiritual direction, but odds are if they were part of your program, mm. they would go, oh, I already know how to do some of what is being described or what is being taught. Mm. And I want to kind of lean into that mm. specifically. One of the things that I think the sort of uh, Kidman pastor, the sort of uh, vocational community, to to use an umbrella term that I don't actually think exists, um, a sort of constant source of tension mm-hmm. is how that discipleship process looks for the kids in their community and how they relate to parents. And every week on this podcast, we talk about how child discipleship is best when it's sort of a community of loving, caring adults working together. How does this mm-hmm. concept of spiritual formation play into a community mm. of adults um, helping disciple the life of a child. Absolutely. Well, there, there are so many ways, and I've had the opportunity to sit with churches and brainstorm how can they cultivate sort of this spiritual spiritual conversations in formal and informal ways. Sure. And one is just it really train your adults to do three things, three things. So ask a child, about their experience of God. Um, in the book, I have this like little list of divinely curious questions. And so just ask a child about any of those questions or ask them about goodness, beauty, and truth, which are God's fingerprints in the world. Mm. Where did you experience something good today? What was something beautiful that you saw? And then let them So ask the question and then let them speak all the way the child. This is the hard part. 
speak all the way to the end of their speaking, which for some children will be a little bit. And for some children, you may have to, you know, get a drink and a chair. (laughs) (laughs) But just giving them that spaciousness of your attention, because their picture of God is being shaped by your attentiveness without you having to do anything but listen. So first here, give them all that spaciousness. The second is repeat back the important sort of the heavy weighted pieces of what they shared. So if they said, today when I was out on the swing and the wind was whipping through my hair and I just, I just had like a moment where I thought, I think God is with me. So repeat back to them. So when you were on the swing and you felt your hair whipping around, God was with you. So you hear first, then you acknowledge by helping them hear. And in that repeating back, you're laying down a neurological footprint in their brain while they're listening. And because they're having this social conversation. So you're literally transforming their mind in that moment. The spirit is. And then encourage. Say, that is that is amazing and beautiful and wonderful. And I wonder where God will meet you tomorrow. <laughs> so you have this, you know, depending on the um, extrovert or introversion of the child and how many words they have to share with you, you have a conversation here, acknowledge and courage. And it can be someone that is an auntie or an uncle. It can be someone just who is an adult in the con- congregation. It could be anyone. And that is uh, a listening conversation that enriches and acknowledges and honors the life that they are having right then with God. A hundred percent. And I hope that folks who are listening, pay attention to the idea that not only are those things that uh, can be done in any sort of context, but we all have, we all know the difference between interacting with a child when we're doing the things that you're describing compared to interacting a child when we're giving them our minimum required attention. Mm. And what was so eye-opening to me in going through your book, which I should say, by the way, I'll say it in the intro, but I should say is called Spiritual Conversations with Children Listening to God Together. Get it wherever books are available. But also that um, when we give, I know for me personally, when I give my kids uh, minimal, the minimal attention required to not get in trouble with, you know, my wife or some government entity, right? <laughs> it's not only do I feel it and I know, but they know. Mm. And my, my son, who's one and a half, he knows, right? Mm. And I think too often the conversation around the church, when it falls into this sort of like, okay, how can we sort of just engage in childcare rather mm. than engaging in child discipleship turns into a conversation that's essentially about minimum, minimum required attention. Mm. And, you know, and what I love so much about what you're describing is, you know, we, we talk about child discipleship as a sort of this three part process of having, helping a child belong so that they can believe and ultimately become. And what I think is really crucial for people to hear, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea of this spiritual conversations with kids, the spiritual formation is it being present in all three of those processes, as opposed to sort of being focused on just what they're going to become. Because I think it could easily become this situation, forgive the bad use of words there, but it could easily become something where you are 
only invested in sort of the future minded rather than being fully present with the child. Is that a fair sum- summary? Yes, yes. And, and our encounter, our encounter with God happens in the present. Mm. We cannot plan for encounter in the future. Well, and I, I think that's where we get we get a little bit and have in the past historically been gotten fairly tripped up in that if we think too much about the about the future what they will become we will lean towards information rather than encounter encounter changes lives thanks for listening we'll be right back were you at the child discipleship forum If you missed it, I want you to go to childdiscipleshipsimulcast.com right now. There you're going to see information about how to access content from the forum in a video on demand format so that you can quickly access the speakers that will resonate the most with your ministry context. The last thing any of us at Awana would want is for the conversations that started at the forum to end at the forum. Continue the conversation at childdiscipleshipsimulcast.com. I think culturally, because of the way um, that children are in homes and in the public spaces, the soul of the child remains hidden as they are trying to please and gain the approval of adults. I mean, we, we, it's just everywhere that you look. And so if I want to invite a child to authentic encounter, I have to lower that as much as I possibly can. And so that means this radical acceptance with healthy boundaries, radical acceptance. It means sitting on the floor. It means letting them choose um, in what way that they would like to engage. Um, We have sort of two processes um, in spiritual conversations. We call it to recognize. So we have different activities that we can do to help recognize God's presence. And then the second is different activities to respond to God's presence. And um, so there's like a host of activities that they can choose, what they choose to talk about, what they choose not to talk about. Um, That I often think of the soul of all human beings, especially of children, as being a bit of like a wild animal. Mm. And we have to be slow and safe. And um, it has to be a free space for their soul to emerge. I love that. And I mean, you offer that qualification there. I do think it's important for folks to understand what we're not talking about is some lack of boundary space with a child. We're not talking about lack of safety or not following best practices. What we are talking about is being patient. And Mm. I love the way that you describe the encounters of letting the child make those kinds of decisions because Mm. it was so clear to me in the way you describe it in the book that that was such a an easy thing to empower that child to begin mm. to share with you what their encounters with God looked like. Mm. I want to yeah, go ahead. I think one other piece about this is that you know God has given children will, and um, that that is not God's act of have to. That is God's <laughs> act of want to. Amen. So when I give them choice and will, it is out of love. 
and uh, an honest um, desire for encounter with who they truly are. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think mm-hmm. what's so beautiful about the work that you do, particularly in your context, is you get to see what a difference is by having, like you you said earlier about rewiring the child's brain, like the folks who, you know, people who listen to this who do this every week or people like you who do this every day, you know, you are literally changing the way that a child perceives the world. And that is such a beautiful opportunity that God gives that God gives you and God gives parents every day where you can mm-hmm. really make such a profound difference. And then that child has the rest of their life where they're living with that difference. You know, mm-hmm. my wife and I are foster parents and so much of that work is engaging in essentially being an adult who tells that child a different story than the adults yes. who told their child before. And you yes. do that every day. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for that. I would imagine when you're doing this with a child, you know, you're taking the time, you're meeting with them on a mm-hmm. regular cadence, that kind of thing. And you see this sort of ebbs and flows of mm-hmm. God at the move, the wild spirit on the move mm-hmm. or the wild soul, excuse me. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain the patient's when it feels mm. like you had a breakthrough and then all of a sudden it goes back the other way, or mm. it feels like you were going somewhere and now the child is going in a completely different direction. What does that process kind of practically look like? Mm. Mm. And and this is for every parent, every person who is a parent, ever been a parent, <laughs> have seen children. Yeah. Um, uh, I, it's always an invitation for me and it's ongoing. I, I meet with children Um, I meet with adults, um, like four days a week, I meet with children one day out of the week. So, um, uh, I, I think it is always an invitation from God for humility. Hmm. And maybe I can describe humility using, um, Christian philosopher, Dallas Willard's definition of humility, which is so helpful to me. I I mean, if I ever get a tattoo, this is what I need, (laughs) but he says that humility means We never push, we never presume, and we never pretend. So on those days that I think, what in the, what is happening here? I think, hey, Lacey, don't presume that you knew. And don't presume that you know now. The spirit knows, and that's going to be enough. And you follow the spirit. Mm. Well said. And, and be pre- present to the child yes. and follow the spirit. So don't, don't, cause I, I mean, when we don't know what's happening, the, the, or we question or we wonder or all of that, uh, the danger is that we'll separate. Yeah. So we'll sort of step back or pull away. And um, uh, the, the most, the most good that gets done is when we're, when we stay connected, even though we don't know what in the world's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think too, it speaks to, you spoke earlier about this and I wanted to make sure we touched on this for, for uh, conversation. Um, you, you made a connection between God's sort of longing to connect with children and Jesus saying, let the children come to me. Mm-hmm. When folks do what we're talking about, well, they are quite literally living up to the sort of biblical mandate mm-hmm. of what God says in that moment. But when I'm curious when you hear from folks who are at their wits end or who are, you know, cause I think it, it's all comes from a well-intended place, right? They feel like maybe the child's not safe or that they aren't oh, yes. equipped to handle those things. How do you help people begin to sort of refocus on 
what God is ultimately asking us to do and what God's not asking us to do. Mm. I, I, I think it begins and ends with presence. Yeah. Um, I, I must, I'm a sucker for a good acronym. And so <laughs> I always think of bow re- really humility. So when I am having um, moments with my child and this is my children, I'm not the ones I meet with in direction. And we were having what we sometimes call vigorous fellowship. Um, I think of this acronym of bow. So is my body open to them? Notice my body. Am I to them? Do I have my devices out of my hands? Are my arms crossed? Is my body saying, I care about you and I'm going to stay with you in this? And then the O is openness. Am I willing to hear whatever the child will say? Whatever they will say. Am I safe enough to be open? And into the teen years, you might be, your, your spirit might be tested um, around your trust in God. Yeah. And then the W is wonder is am I willing to wonder with the spirit about what God is up to in their life? Uh, One of my favorite parts of that, one of my favorite parts of the book, because I think, especially in this moment that we're in, right, where everything has been sort of, sort of compressed Mm -hmm. and pressure cooked under a lockdown, the idea of, of having to take the time to do the work in yourself, Mm. to wonder if you are open enough to what, the, what God's up to in the life of the child is so critical to this conversation and so critical to long-term discipleship. Mm. You know, I'm a guy who didn't start following the Lord until I was mm. well into college. And one of the things that always stands out to me doing this work with Juana and just connecting with folks who have a much longer history uh, with, uh, with Jesus than I do is the ways that when this is done well, it makes a difference forever. And it doesn't matter what mm. circumstances come into the life of a child, it still is able to make a difference. And again, people who are listening have the opportunity to do that. How mm-hmm. have you seen the spiritual formation of a child change the direction of the adults around the child? Because we know that God is that big. Um, but mm. I'm curious, how is, what is that sort of uh, upside down kingdom kind of process looked like um, from your vantage point? Mm-hmm. That's such a great question. That is such a great, great question. I think in lots of ways, and, I, and maybe a few I can name. One sure. is when we become fully present to the children in, in front of us, our old childhood uh, beliefs about God get stirred up. Mm. And it is the invitation of God for us to do our own inner work. Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that some of the reasons, so this is, this is all me pontificating. So for, <laughs> forgive me for a minute. I'm convinced that some of the reasons we struggle to get volunteers in children's ministry is because when we're around children, it touches our old wounds. Oh, wow. And we'd rather run like mad. <laughs> Uh, then um, have those touched. Sure. But what God is inviting us to is, you know, we bring our childhood self with us into the adult that we are right now. Our experiences of God, our experiences of church and authority. And God is saying, I want to heal all of you. 
And so being present, fully present to a child is going to ping those. And it also pings those gifts and talents that we had and things we loved when we were young and that we may have stepped away from because of whatever. And so it'll awaken that hope in us again. Um which is also its own risk and its own yeah. delight. Um, so I think that's one way um, that um, being present to children and listening to them will will shift and change us. I think it will. It also, you know, it, uh, even as I meet with children who are systematically without homes. I mean, this yeah. is often generation after generation. They are incredibly hopeful. They are filled with hope and joy and, and encountering Jesus in them invites me uh, in many ways to go and look at Jesus in scripture. I'm just, I'm yeah. just dying to know how, you know, he brought a child into their midst and said, you must become like a child. I, I spend a lot of time with Jesus in the gospel saying, how are you? like a child <laughs> show me how to be like you yeah well and that brings me i think this, and this is probably a good place to land for us because you make the point in the book that every child receives spiritual formation and yes every human yep every human and the opportunity that exists in this conversation is for you to be a part of that spiritual formation and to reflect back the goodness of God into the life of the child and into the world. And then mm. the least controversial thing I can say is that if you look around, like the world needs more of that right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and the truth is you, we are um, a part of their spiritual formation, whether we want to or not, if we're in their life. So how do you want to be part of there? Not if you are. Yeah. And I think everyone who takes the time to listen to this knows that they have an opportunity. And I just, I'm very grateful that there's folks like you in the world who begin to put kind of like handles and language around mm. this stuff that people sort of feel, but because it's sort of confusing or touches on old wounds, like you said, they don't mm. really know how to navigate it. And I feel like in the book, Spiritual Conversations with Children, Listening to God Together, it gives people the opportunity to begin to see what a roadmap for this can look like. Mm. And I, the last thing, oh, just, I was going to say, the last thing I would encourage people to buy the book is because you and I have had a very serious conversation about this, but you just touched on something about joy. And it's so clear to me in the book how joyous this work is. Mm. And I want to make sure people understand that it's not some sort of hard uh, process that at the end of the day, you get to play with a kid as they play with God. And there is a tremendous joy that comes from that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no. And I, I just want to also say that it, as parents and as people who, who live with children, that we do not show up perfect. We are learning. We are learning. And that God has planned for. God is not surprised that we have a start and a stop and a start and a stop and two steps back and only a half a step forward, that is no surprise to God. And God desires to use every single bit of it for the spiritual formation, the good, Christ-like, joyful spiritual formation of children. 
and um, and the beautiful thing about it is that it's reciprocal. As they are learning about their life with God, we are learning about ours, and there is enough generosity to go around. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith. Young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again next week.